Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> trying to get everything finished before trying to take the longest period of time away from propane ever. It's the same as the water snake, isn't it? That when you try and take time off, it just squeezes into before and after. I remember having this with the meditation retreat I did a few years ago. Mm. Just thinking, God, like trying to arrange all the stuff that's meant to happen during those 10 days and split it before and after all the emails and all that stuff. And luckily it worked out okay, but it's a, it's a faff on. Yeah. It's, um, I think it's because in between now and the time off, there's also my wedding that has lots of additional, very acute things. <laughs> that Congratulations, are... Johnny. Why didn't you say? <laughs> Thanks. Can so it's that on top. If I was finding out about the wedding. You had no idea. Live on yeah. episode 30. <laughs> well, by the it time this goes live, it's, it's happened. When does this go live? Shortly. Oh yeah, it'll be post-wedding. So, so Johnny will be a married man by the time you hear this. Strange, eh? How strange. Um, so, but it's the, it, just one last comment on it. It is the, like the bittersweet thing with, even when you have like the systems and the tech and the, the automations and the stuff that we have to still, this things will still keep happening. I think the thing that's hard is, is the, fee, the feeling of it. So Becca off work today, she's, she's employed. So off work means designated holiday day which means there's no work and that's her off work for the entire honeymoon. And that's the thing that I think when you work for yourself, you don't necessarily get, it's very hard. Like you've got to be really pro to like mentally check out nothing, not thinking about that at all for the next yeah. two weeks. It's, it's a real double-edged sword because when you're in a job, you, you're thinking, Oh, I wish I was just working on a project that I actually gave a shit about. Yeah. But then when you're running your own project, you give so much of a shit about it that you can't switch off. So yeah. you pick your poison. I don't think it's that I want to switch off either. I think that it's, it's not wanting things to go badly, which I think is also different with, I don't think employees worry about holiday because it's like, well, what if someone doesn't pick up my work and do it properly? They're like, they just want to leave their job for the, for the period of time. But yeah. Crimea River. Tiny a couple of weeks ago. But I've got a I've got a separate video on this coming out on how to get the best of both worlds and how to kind of mitigate some of the problems. It's never going to be a clean solution. It's something mm. that we both really wrestle with, just part of the way that we're wired and I think personality as well. But there are things that you can do, and it's it's that's the thing. Like you you you've got set hours where you turn up and finish your job. And you've just got to try and replicate that when you're, when you're self-employed, but the temptation is always like, oh, I'll just, I'll just finish this one bit. Oh, I'll just answer this. And, and then as soon as you do close the laptop, your business is shrinking because you're not working on it unless yeah. you've built stuff that is compounding in the background. I've never thought of that analogy. That it's it's a, like dying unless you're pushing it manually, unless you use tech to push it while you're not on your laptop. Well, it's part of the reason why, like, yes, it's tempting to just set up as an online coach and do one-to-one -one coaching, 
and be like, ah, there we go, I'm sorted. There's no residual value in your business that way. And that's why we mm -hmm. recommend working towards, like starting as you mean to go on and working towards building a, an automated system long-term. It's not going to happen overnight, but that's the, that's the North Star. Mm. Speaking of which. of which, so, so many fitness coaches that we speak to would tell their clients to never do these mistakes. And yet they're making the same mistakes themselves. So from working with a lot of coaches and trainers and people that are moving online, they'll often fall prey to mindset problems that are the very things that they warn their clients about, but because the content is different, they don't often see it. You know who I love the most? Fitness people. Fitness entrepreneurs are my favorite. Let me tell you why. They're so good at their craft, like, right? Like, but then with the business, they don't do the thing they do in fitness. They like, and fitness entrepreneurs shit on people because people want shortcuts in fitness. They want fucking implants. They want fucking apple cider vinegar pills. They want all sorts of bullshit when the answer is put the work in the gym and eat properly. Like follow the model. But then as entrepreneurs, you see these fucking all beefed up, did everything fucking perfect. I'm talking about the ones that don't cheat. I'm talking about doing it right. And then they come to business and they're like, what's the shortcut? And I'm like, you know that there's no shortcut in this shit. The fuck are you looking for shortcut in this shit? Right? It, they fascinate me because they have such a big chapter of their life they know. Everyone's like, I'm, I spent 38 years looking for the shortcut. I'm like, what, what? they're like, it's fucking go in the gym and fucking eat properly, motherfucker. So a few examples that we've all been guilty of, maybe you are yourself. The first one is program hopping. So of course, like if you're a fitness coach, what would you say to a client that is doing 531 and then switches to dog crap and then switches to like the Cambridge diet and then tries to do it along with a bit of Zumba and a bit, you'd be like, what are you doing? Like, you, you're not going to make progress that way. The progress comes as a, a compounding or if they try and create like a mash mashup of different programs. Whereas in business, how often do you see coaches going like, oh, I'm launching a, a new program, a new website. I'm going to make a new product. I'm going to, going to go for a new niche this week. It's always new rather than better. I think this, it kind of marries up with one of the other points that we'll discuss in a minute, which is expecting results too quickly. So the, the thing that when we did, I remember we did that episode on modern wisdom years ago now, where we were like, what advice would we, would we give our 18 year old selves? And the advice was like, buy Bitcoin and do five, three, one, right? Or in other words, and also like, don't be in a calorie deficit for, I can't remember what we, what we said, but the, the result, the, the idea is like you pick of something, you have to basically, well, it's Yusuf's quote. So the, the bad news is there's no way to accelerate the process. The good news is there's no way to accelerate the process. So if you expect the like business equivalent of abs in 28 days or 21 days, whatever, like the, the latest thing that's on the cover of men's health or the thing you saw on TikTok, then that leads to this. Oh, well, this, this is boring now. This kind of hasn't worked. I want the next exciting thing. What's the new strategy I can try? What's the new social media method? What's the new way to post on Instagram? So I think they're kind of one and the same. I think people change and program hop 
And it's obviously, you're never giving anything time to like really work. But I think it's a symptom of the fact that it's, it's almost like a, a lack of willingness to accept that the building a business properly is just going to take five years, 10 years. Yeah. It's, it's out of impatience, isn't it? It's how can I make this a bit faster by, by changing? Cause that always feels like, oh, something new feels like there's a, mm. a big initial, um, jump in progress. And a, a lot of the time, like if you, okay, if you started doing rack pulls next week in the gym, <laughs> that's a great example. You, you'd probably add five, 10 kilos a week to your rack pull for the next month, but you're not getting stronger. You're just getting used to a new movement. Great example. I'm doing this with incline dumbbell press. That's why I texted you yesterday. <laughs> so like I've started doing incline dumbbell press. I haven't done incline dumbbell press in years. Started doing it a month ago. I've added like two and a half kilos RPT training for the last month. And it's starting to get hard now. And I can feel myself being like, well, fuck, I could do dips instead <laughs> i'm like well why don't i just stick with incline dumbbell press for like six months and periodize it and get strong because that's where the gains are like now i'm starting to make progress with it it's yeah the last few weeks you new adaptations have gone. yeah um, yeah there was something so, i was just gonna say oh yeah so that i think it was one of our coaches said to us at one point when we were like shooting for 100 grand a year 10 grand a month like in that kind of phase and someone said to us like would it be so bad if it, I know you want to do like 10 grand a month now, but would it be so bad if it took you like two years to get to, you know, 200 grand a year? Like, is that, is that the worst thing ever? Like that's actually quite good. Really? I know it's not exactly what you want now, but instead of worrying about like, what's my goal in six months, think about, well, where could this be in five years? And if it grows by this percentage every year and you enjoy the, pro the process in the meantime, is that really that terrible? It's like, if you could be shredded by the end of the year, or in a year's time, is that really a bad outcome? Like it's kind of worth waiting for. Oh yeah. Well, I, I wrote something about that a while back of like, it's taken you five years to get fat and now you want to get shredded in 28 days. Like what's the rush? Mm. So, yeah. so, so I guess there's fitness mistakes, number one and two that translate into blind spots in business. So program hopping, always looking for the new thing rather than doing mm. the, the thing better. Number two, as you say, is expecting rapid results and not benefiting from the compounding. You've got to do it for a long time until it starts to really take off. Mistake number three is believing that there's a magic pill. Like as a coach, you know that any of the, the stuff that claims ridiculous results in a short time is either fake or dangerous. <laughs> and yet when we see it with business, we go, Oh, high ticket coaching, 30 grand in a month. Right. Well, that, that'll definitely work for me. And I, you know, I'm not saying it's fake, but, I, but what I am saying, and we've talked about this at length is that often the people who make 30 grand in a month have made 30 grand of upfront sales from an existing warm audience. That's very large as an influencer mm. with no residual value and no repeat customers but it makes for a great testimonial for the, the business guru at the time. So it's kind of be careful what you wish for. <laughs> yeah. This, I think the, the large audience thing is kind of like the steroids question or like the genetics question. So I had, I had someone on a call the other day, asked me about Mike Thurston, who we've <laughs> like, we both sort of like know through, we don't know him, but we like know people who know him very well, 
seen him in gyms. We've walked past him, like met him in person, big guy. All my intuition says not natural, but we know people who know him very well, who swear by the fact that he's, but anyway, it's irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> but, but so like he releases an ab workout, right. Or he releases a, a training program. And my immediate thought is, well, like, it, yeah, he's, he looks great. Like he's in great shape. He seems to be drinking all the time, living this life in Ibiza while maintaining like stage lean condition. Is that because of the program or is that because genetics, maybe other things, 15 years of training history just just looks like that. So when someone with a with 100,000 Instagram followers starts doing sales calls and selling high ticket, manages to convert like a percent of those people into an offer, makes 30 grand, Once. looks great. But is it but is it repeatable? That's the question. Yeah, like has has the the Mike Thurston equivalent really discovered the one weird trick that doctors don't want you to know about abs yeah. growth or are there other factors at play? Mm. Yeah. And can you, and that, that's why the method that we teach is really not very sexy, but it's the every man strategy is mm -hmm. designed to get you up to a consistent and robust three to five K a month online coaching in a year. It's not, it's not a very uh, dramatic headline, but the, the, the point is that it can, it can get you there with reliable, repeatable work rather than shot in the dark or requiring a, a massive viral hit or viral following. And, you know, we see the same thing in fitness. So like people will buy a program that an influencer puts out. And there's that, or I always think of that example of that, the lady, the female influencer you sent me, who's like in tremendous shape. And she releases this thing saying like the way she does it is with like, like side leg raises and do you oh, know yeah. about? like body uh, weight training. Chinada Greca. Yeah. Like clearly it's not a product of that. Like clearly it's, like she's, she, she looks like a bodybuilder, like, like IFBB level bodybuilder. Yeah, like should be on the Olympia stage in the untested category. Like look, looks really impressive. And it's like, oh, it's just jump squats. And like there's these... kind of alternating jump squats on the beach with yeah. like hands on yeah, head. No, it's, yeah. No, it's not. No, it's not. So <laughs> it's the same thing. Like that hamstring sweep and like, <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing. So like ask, so question like, are there any other factors that might ever explain this result in the same way that like Jay Cutler did not prep for the Olympia by using like muscle tech hydroxy cut. I always think of that cause I nearly bought some, but it, it's other things, right? It's other, other, other factors. And the same thing happens in business. So if someone's making a claim that seems unlikely, that seems too good to be true, that seems like it might be the magic pill, look for alternative explanations for the, for the answer. Nice. So, Mistake number four, looking for complexity when it's not warranted, like looking for the advanced material. So we all know someone who's been training for a year. They've got 127.5 kilo deadlift. They bench press 92.5 for a double. And they're, they're looking for the latest daily undulating periodization program. That's like, because they've got this impression in their head that because they track their training with spreadsheets that they're, they're now an, an advanced athlete. And I don't mean to be disparaging, you know, I, I, what I'm, <laughs> you know, the first example that comes to mind, there's a video that comes to mind of this, that I think just sums this up uh -oh. nicely. <laughs> Do you know, does it, you don't know what I mean? No. So there's a, there's like a Tom Martin seminar that's on oh. YouTube, but Tom <laughs> Martin's a really strong bloke, like squats over 400 kilos. Like and someone's I, inhuman strong. Yeah. Yeah. 
like too too strong, shouldn't be allowed, and um, should be banned. And uh, someone's asking him about like pause squat variations. Ask he asks him what his squat is, and he's like, "If you try just doing squatting, like normal squatting." <laughs> Yeah. So, Excuse me, Tom. I've like long story, long history. I've I've been basically my sticking point. I believe is at the uh, the lower third phase as I'm uh, and and mm. I'm I've been doing some dynamic uh, undulating uh, band work with accommodating resistance. And uh, I'm just wondering as to your thoughts as they pertain to. And it's just like, have you tried just doing full range of motion squats with a barbell? Because <laughs> the the expectation is. Tom squatting over whatever it was at the time, hundreds of kilos, tens and tens of kilos. <laughs> it must be complex. Complex is training. Like it can't just be barbell back squat. That would be ridiculous if he was just doing simple training. We get the same thing. Sometimes people will apply for, for propane business or our mentoring. And they will say like this, guys, this seems too basic for me where I'm, where I'm at. And if you can't answer questions like, over the last seven days, what was your, what did the total number of leads you generated in your business and how many of them converted into, into customers? And then how, what is the average retention time and average lifetime value and those kinds of things? If you don't know those numbers, like, and that isn't taken care of, it probably isn't too advanced. Like you probably just think that what you need is more advanced when actually it's lead gen, it's sales, it's coaching and delivery, it's basic stuff. So you're, you're an advanced powerlifter. And a moderately advanced golfer. How okay. how often would you say the the guys at the top of their game go in and drill basic stuff? So, I was on a driving range after in Scotland after Rory McIlroy, who's pretty good at golf. Have you heard of Rory McIlroy? Probably have. The race car driver. The race car driver. Yeah. Um, he had just been on the driving range for eight hours with his coach. And one of the guys in the shop went up to him and said, like, what do you work on? And he's like, the stance and the grip and the swing. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> it's like the basics. Like, but it's the, it's because he has to do the basics when there's a, when there's a million quid riding on it, when there's millions of people watching the TV and there's loads of pressure. And he doesn't then rely on some like advanced secret strategy. It's just, well, can I execute the basics properly under pressure repeatedly? Yeah. So yeah, you, I think the the advanced guys are always, always circle back around to just fundamentals in pretty much everything, which is quite, quite nice to know really that you probably already have all the answers and you're just making loads of mess in the meantime until you realize that none of that matters and you can just do the basics for a long time. Well, as a fitness coach, you'll have seen the diagram of the the core functions of your fitness business which is getting leads closing sales coaching clients and then the, the underlying software tech and productivity if you just focus on getting better at any of those one things lead gen so what's what's within that persuasive writing outreach running ads like just getting good at them and doing the doing the bait and then closing sales just improving your ability to sell mm. like you can't go too far wrong you will comp you, you will you will multiply your business just focusing on those things without advanced systems and tactics and any of the rest of it i think one of the warning signs for for it getting too complicated is you start caring about and measuring things that are not the core thing so like in business it's like yeah but my like my social blade says this about my following and 
but like what is the current business bank balance <laughs> and like how has that changed over the last six months like it's painful to look at because that's the most exposing number or like what is my stripe revenue this month compared to this time last year how many leads am i actually getting how many sales am i actually making those are the numbers that matter it Everything comes down to the noise. The blobs and wisdom you've got to put the facebook pixel somewhere and somewhere. we so we reviewed the the lumen metabolism tracker device a, few, a couple of weeks ago and the question is if because you know it tells you about whether you're relatively burning more carbohydrates or fat at any one time but it's like okay what if your lumen tells you that you're smashing it you're doing all you're burning fat all the time and, but you're not losing weight then what do you do mm. so would you rather that your social blade ranking is always top of the game but your business bank account's dropping <laughs> or like yeah. what 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 would you what number are you trying to influence and focus things towards that and don't worry about other things going off social blades just a way of measuring like how would you summarize it measures following and growth and relative following relative to competitors in a similar niche yeah. yeah um but that's following that's that's the the instagram metrics for success not your yeah. business metrics. It's like a proxy for are things going well? And you could actually just measure the core thing that, that those things are trying to influence. Well, you could measure the core thing. And also that this is where Goodhart's law comes into place, where when the target becomes the measure, it ceases to become an accurate measure. Because mm. you could, like, if, if the goal is increase the number, increase your following, you can go and buy a 5,000 followers from Bangladesh for $15 you've Jimmy rigged the process and it's no longer represents the success that you're looking for. So there's probably something deeper that you are looking for with that. I think and, the only thing that doesn't apply for is cash. Even cash. <laughs> How because, did Jimmy rig cash? Because cash is just a measure. It's a, it's a proxy for freedom. Isn't I it? see. If you go, I see. Fair enough. Yeah. So like enough. in you, if inflation or, uh, becoming a drug dealer or whatever, suddenly you've lost you're your right. freedom because you're in jail, right. but you've got loads of cash. Or so, you could like work with everybody one-to-one, -one, go around to the house, deliver the most complicated service possible, all to just charge as much as possible to get and do that for as many people as possible. It's got to be subject to a constraint. So you just give up all your freedom, all your health to maximize yeah. cash. You're right. You're it's, right. A, it's a difficult game. It is. Final mistake. And this, this was uh, pointed out by Alex great analogy is creating a Frankenstein. So it's the equivalent of hiring seven contractors to do your kitchen all at once. You're not going to end up with a better kitchen, probably end up with a worse one because mm. they'll be bickering over who's going to install the worktop and how it's all going to work. So we, we make the, we, we tell our clients not to do this in fitness and yet it's easy to fall into that trap when you're running your business. And usually it comes down to pick a system that you know works and has a track record of that and just do the system. And certainly over the last 10 years, when we got out of our own way and stopped trying to have bright ideas of our own and we were like, right, let's just swipe everything off the table and follow an established system that works. Mm. Lo and behold, it works. It works. I think my, the only extension I would add to that is make sure you understand that in the same way that like, if someone looked at the way I train, the way you train, the way I eat, the way you eat, the habits we both do, like it's incredibly simple, but we understand like each one of them sort of picked for a reason. 
each exercise is picked for a reason. The progression's picked for a reason. The, the food we eat is picked for a reason. In the same way, like in your business, don't just pick a system and follow it blindly. Like question the principles. So like I'm being asked to post a reel every day, for example. All right, why? Can someone like explain how that works? Why does it work? Is this going to keep working? What's the mechanics behind it? How does that encourage someone to make a decision? Because if you understand the principles, firstly, you can stay within the system and make sort of adjustments and tweak it and make sure it still works without making this Frankenstein. But also you're more likely to stick to it. Because I think that one reason that I find that you fall into the trap of Frankensteining something is like you'll be following something and then someone will say something about email marketing. You'll be like, ooh, that sounds exciting. Ooh, yeah. Right, maybe I should be doing this with my email. But if you're like, well, what is the goal of email marketing in the system? How many emails should I be sending? What should they be saying? And why is that the, why is that the case? It's easy to, to like protect yourself against the the temptation to add more things in for the sake of it. So personally, I've been very prone to this and my desire for Frankensteining comes from FOMO. So over the years, we, we, we set up a Twitter and an Instagram and then Snapchat came out and I was like, oh, we need to get Snapchat and LinkedIn and Facebook and, and everything. And trying to run all of those at once is probably the only way to guarantee that you don't gain traction if you're trying to do organic marketing. Definitely. And then, and yet you see people fly past or like absolutely smash it. And, and they're the ones who nail one platform and they, they, they can then have enough bandwidth to focus on like, okay, what's the style that this platform responds best to? Okay. How can I run ads on this platform and get the best response? How can I, yeah. um, curate my profile such that and become an authority in that niche on Twitter or on a podcast or whatever. So we've seen it with, with Chris Williamson. Mm. We we've been running a podcast way longer than Chris, but we were also doing 10 other things. And when he, yeah. he decided, right, I'm going to fully double down on this one thing. Yes. Of course mm. he's got a, a all purpose audience as opposed to a niche audience like us, but, but the, the principle still applies. It's another, that's actually another great example because I think we see examples of someone running an online fitness business who sees someone like Chris at Modern Wisdom think, well, I need that for my business, but actually you don't. So like that, Chris has got a great example of he's optimizing for something, which is basically the growth of the following. And that's the way that the business is monetized and all that sort of stuff. You can easily get, as we see countless examples of this, a big following on any of these platforms have a business that runs alongside it that sells something a service or a product and not have any translation between the two. Oh yeah. We've, I mean, we've met people who have got 500 K a million followers and very little to show for it financially. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's fine. Like if, if you want fame and that's, that's where you want that's all right. My, my internal temperatures dropped, but I'll, that's just audio. <laughs> that's not in the camera. That's in you, Seth. My... Well. So. <laughs> um, yeah. Like if, if you're looking for fame, no problem. That can be your target, but mm. it doesn't seem very appealing to me. I don't, I don't particularly like the idea of being recognized in the street by everybody. It's a lot of effort, isn't it? For, for presumably quite sporadic reward. I'm guessing like the idea of generating income by monetizing a YouTube channel to me feels like walking a tightrope that comes mm. with a lot of downsides. Um, I, I like the idea of having a small subscriber base or listener base or following, but a high like revenue per follower. I much prefer that relationship because it feels more efficient. Um, yeah. And people are following you for a 
like specific thing, which is the thing that you're good at and the, like the, the service you sell, the product you sell or whatever, rather than following you because you interviewed someone that you like. And I don't mean to be disparaging of obviously Chris is, Chris is smashing it, but like, it's a very different, I think it's, it seems like the thing that you need to, to run a business like this, but if actually it's a distraction and very, very quickly takes up a lot of your time, a lot of your headspace and doesn't really generate anything. Yeah, absolutely. It, like to, to grow a large following, it will increase or it'll worsen your signal to noise ratio of your life and of the, the incoming messages and things that you get. Now, yeah. yes, you can monetize just following. That's a separate business model. It's not something we, we teach. It's not something that I think that isn't every man's strategy. I think I agree. Yeah. Uh, Chris has been a combination of multiple serendipitous and unfair advantages and things that he's leveraged. Um, yeah. like being couldn't... on TV a couple of times, oh, like yeah. being extremely good at networking, being very charismatic, well-spoken, all those being sorts of model, things. being yeah. in incredible shape, all that stuff. Yeah. So yeah. to try and to say like, oh, there is a reliable process to become a top tier podcaster mm. <laughs> is like, it's a kind of zero sum. I think that's how I feel about a lot of the business methods that are taught is it's like trying to teach someone to be famous. There's a lot of similarities there because it's like mm. hinged on this idea of like, let's grow your organic following. But that's a function of all those things that we just used to describe Chris, right? Like your following is, it can be a following purely for a putting out like really good content, but most people gain a following the fastest because of the way these algorithms work by like looking a certain way, acting a certain way, putting across a certain image and lifestyle that's appealing to people. It's very hard to teach everybody the blueprint to do that because the, the kind of the question mark, the, the variable is, is like you and your personality, which you can't really change when you buy a business mentorship, but anyway, a thousand true fans, isn't it? it? Is. If, if, if you haven't, if you're not sure what that is, we'll put a link in the description. It's just a very short article called a thousand true fans. And it really makes a strong case for exactly what Johnny has described there. Mm. Or. If you're an online PT, hundred customers, yeah, hundred customers on a hundred pounds a month, who stay with you for ten years, sorted for life. Yeah, <laughs> lovely. Actually, just before we go, uh, like a sad stat, but something that I'm going to share just because it illustrates, just linked to what I just said. Uh, one of my clients, one of my one-to-one fitness clients, called Andy, just cancelled yesterday. He cancelled because he's like just reached the natural end point of his service. But he started working with us in 2011. <laughs> wow. So that's, that's, that's a PB. That's just an example of what's possible for online coaching. Um, like people think, oh God, there's no retention in online coaching. People just cancel. They definitely don't. If you do it, if you set things up correctly, you deliver more value than you charge for, people will stay. Thanks for the support, Andy. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Speak to you all soon.